Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the most unique, entertaining, and compelling sports talk podcast you'll ever listen to. Let's be great. Let's be great. Wendell's World in Sports with the one and only Wendell Wallace. Giannis charging down the lane to the rim. Double clutch. No good. Tipped in. Giannis tipped it home. Subscribe, rate, and review anywhere and everywhere you listen to this and all your favorite podcasts. And now, from Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, Rip, Roin, and ready to rumble, Wendell Wallace. And welcome to Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wonder Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of things to get down on and discuss today in the world of sports. We got Tom Brady unretiring. <laughs> How long did that last, right? A couple of weeks and he was kind of like, yeah, you know what? I think I might come back. I think I might give this another try. Typical reasons. I think that, uh, number one, at the end of the season, you lose to the Los Angeles Rams. Your opportunity to repeat as Super Bowl champions are over. It's been a long season. Now, he didn't suffer any type of injuries that we knew of, or he didn't suffer any type of debilitating injuries, which compromise his ability to play football and, you know, some nagging injury or some injury that's forcing him to play less than what I think he wants and desires from a physical standpoint when you're speaking about Tom Brady to where at the end of the season he said, man, that's it, I'm done, I'm not having any more of this, I'm going to retire. If this continues with my knee or with my shoulder or with my elbow or with my back or with my neck. You know, when football players normally retire, it's mainly because a, either they can't find a job anymore, depending upon the type of player that they are, a Hall of Famer, an all-time great, they get to the point where their level of play is just so far beyond what they're used to, what the fans are used to seeing as such, that it's about time for them to uh, go ahead and turn it in. Or it's some type of injury, which is like, look, man, you keep on doing this for another season or so. I can't guarantee that, you know, long-term, this is going to be good for you. Now, with the, you know, with the education that these players are getting with CTE and head injuries and long-term injuries, not just to the head, of course, which is the most debilitating when you're speaking about the brain and, you know, the most devastating of injuries, but, you know, you're speaking about long-term effects such as your joints and your knees and your hips and your neck and your back and your elbows and arthritis and all of these other maladies that come in to the fact that you're like, look, man, I'm going to retire one year before it gets even worse. So a lot of time with these football players, when they retire, that's the reason why. So for Brady, it wasn't a situation where he was, you know, at the decline of his NFL career. This wasn't a situation where you saw some outward deficiencies in his game. The arm strength wasn't there. The mobility wasn't there. The ability to make throws wasn't there. This wasn't a situation where he was dealing with a nagging injury, which... You know, as long, the longer that he plays, the worse it's going to get, and it could affect his long-term uh, livelihood and, and expectancy. So it wasn't anything like that. I think it was a situation where Tom Brady, at the end of the season, he's 44 years old. I'm quite sure. I don't know if I'm quite sure or not, because I wasn't privy to any of those conversations, but quite sure that uh, TB had conversations with his wife and his kids and, you know, Giselle speaking about, look, man, you're 44 years old. I mean, some of the guys that you're playing with were, you are old enough to be your sons. I mean, that type of deal. And, you know, go on to something else and, you know, go out while the going is good, get out while, you know, you're still functional and all these type of things. And they just lost the playoff game to the Los Angeles Rams at home. So he's feeling bummed about that. So I think all of those things kind of precluded into him making that decision when he did about finally saying, look, man, I'm done, I'm retired, this, that, and the other. And I think most players would say, hey, you know what, I want to be that guy that goes out like Barry Sanders or I want to go out like that guy, like Jim Brown or or or, or, or a situation where it's like I'm still at the top of my game. I don't, I don't want, I don't want my fans, I don't want to be that guy that's just hanging on. I don't want to be that guy at the end of my career where it was like, hey, you youngsters don't know how good this guy used to be. I don't want to be Johnny Unitas playing for the San Diego Chargers. I don't want to be Emmett Smith playing for the Arizona Cardinals. I don't want to be Jerry Rice playing for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. You know, I don't want to be Shaquille O'Neal, 30 pounds overweight, looking and chugging up and down the court in the last season with either I think it was the Boston Celtics or the Cleveland Cavaliers, one of those two. I, I don't want to be 
Akeem Olajuwon playing for the Toronto Raptors. I, I don't want to be that guy that's just hanging on. And, and even though he won a Super Bowl, I'm quite sure that Tom Brady's like, look, I don't want to be that guy that was Peyton Manning last season, which, yeah, he won a Super Bowl, which is great. You can't take anything away from him in the, the totality of his career. It's not going to be a detriment because winning a Super Bowl is winning a Super Bowl. Winning a Super Bowl like Peyton Manning did for his second is not going to diminish someone who only has one Super Bowl championship. I'll get to that Super Bowl wins and legacies when I speak about Aaron Rodgers in my next segment. But, um, yeah, I'm quite sure Tom Brady's like, look, I don't want to be... I don't want to be like Tom Brady to where when we look back on that season, it was, yeah, thank goodness for my defense and running game to help carry me across the finish line to uh, pick up that uh, Vince Lombardi because if it was up to me, then in terms of the situation, in terms of the responsibilities, we wasn't going to make it. So it's a situation where all of those things swirled into play for Tom Brady making the decision. And most players, as I mentioned before, they get to that point, but... They want to keep playing, man. These guys want to keep playing because that's the only thing they know how to do. That's the, that's the thing that they're great at. And, you know, this is not like getting a regular job in terms of somewhere where you can work, whether it be a, uh, an, an executive, whether it be a, an educator, whether it be a, a chef, whether it be a, a garbage collector, whatever the profession that you do that's going to allow you to do that profession for 20, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years. Football is not like that. Football is such a unique sport, such a unique opportunity for the very, very few and privileged to make it that to make it to that level. That man, yeah, they could say that you know after ten years I'm going to go ahead and do something else, and by the time I uh, retire, I still want to be the best in the game and that type of thing. They might say that early in their careers, man, but by the time reality hits and they get a little bit older, and they still see that they can, uh, you know, still do their thing. And their ego takes over once the body heals a little bit around this time and the mind gets away from the game. They start saying, man, I got something else in me. I still got that itch. I still got that urge. I still got that love. I still have that passion to uh, get things done. And I think that's what happened with Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady's the type of guy where it's like, yeah, you know, I would love to go out at the top of my game and I don't want to have my skills diminished and I don't want to be Willie Mays playing center field and for the New York Mets and stumbling and bumbling around. But the way things are going right now, I mean, we might have to accept the fact that Tom Brady's going to be a 49, 50-year-old guy that's going to be stumbling and bumbling around before he finally realizes that, whoops, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to do something else. No, not, not, we see that with boxers all the time, right? Great champions, all-time great boxers staying too long. The passion, the love, what they do, what are we going to do afterwards? knowing that once you're done, that there really is no coming back. So I think when Brady made that decision, talked it over with his wife and such, and made the decision, I think after a while it was like, man, I, I can still do this. I'm still ready to go. And being a competitor like Brady, yeah, man, I mean, you know, Brady's the type of guy who love for the game is so much, I'm, I'm quite sure that there really is no, this is the moment for me to retire type of thing, until, as I mentioned before, the wheels completely fall off of his game physically. There really is no, for Tom Brady, for the love that he has for the game, there really is no, well, I'll be like John Elway, win a Super Bowl, and then I'll be good. Or a situation like that. If Tom Brady is going to win a Super Bowl, and he's one of the main cogs for winning that Super Bowl, the way that Tom Brady loves this game, he's not going to walk away from that. He's going to say, hell, man, let me, let me win another one. I mean, winning a Super Bowl is the ultimate. It's the greatest. And if we still have a chance to win it next year, why would I walk away from that opportunity? And a game that I still truly love. All aspects about it. So if he loses, if he has a disappointing season, he's like, well, I can't end my career like this. I can't end my career. Like, like for instance, if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had the record and had the success this season that the uh, Green Bay Packers had. And they lost in the way that the Packers did when the Packers' expectations were Super Bowl and bust. And Tampa Bay lost that playoff game that they had in such surprising, upsetting fashion. For the most part, you know Tom Brady isn't going to walk away with that being his last game. You know that Tom Brady was like, again, like he mentioned in his uh, tweet, we have unfinished business. So, yeah, man, it's not surprising to me that Tom Brady came back. 
that he unretired. I'm quite sure that uh, speaking with his wife and kids, they said go for it. So he got the clearance from then. He's got the peace of mind from then to uh, know that they're behind him 100% in this decision that he's making. And I also think the situation where Byron Leftwich didn't get a head coaching position that he's going to be returning as the offensive coordinator, that the pieces are still in place. I don't know what's going to be happening with Gronkowski, but I'm quite sure that this is, uh, you know, put this decision by Brady in the equation of whether Gronkowski is going to come back, whether he's when he's going to make that decision. I'm quite sure that's going to play heavily. So, I mean, I think with the, I, 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 I truly think that if Leftwich would have gotten a head coaching position, I don't know if um, Brady would have came back or not. Maybe he would have. I don't know. Maybe he loved the game so much. But I think that there's that familiarity. I think that there's that comfort. And I think the love that he has for the game, for his teammates and his coaches, would you speak about him still being a uh, top seven, top eight quarterback at the very least, you know, made this decision for him much easier. Again, not suffering from any debilitating injuries. He's still feeling good. The game every single year is doing more and more to protect the safety of the players, especially when you're speaking about the quarterbacks, which can allow a 45-year-old Tom Brady to come back and do a thing. I think the offensive line for Tampa Bay, which was one of the best in the league last season, protecting Brady like he did, uh, made his decision a little bit easier. I think that if you told Tom Brady that next season the offensive line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was going to resemble the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line or the Seattle Seahawks offensive line, he would have been like, yeah, you know what, retirement sounds good to me. I'm doing all right. Thank you very much. But because of the weapons and because of the coaches and because of the familiarity and because of all of those things swirling around, I think that decision was made pretty easy for Tom Brady to reconsider and come back for his 23rd season. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So as I mentioned before, I'm recording this on a Sunday. And I should be geeked. I should be hyped. I should be all these things as far as speaking about NCAA basketball. The tournament. The brackets. Who's going to be doing what? Who's going to be upsetting who? Who's going to win the championship? What are going to be the storylines? Who are the favorites? Who needs this more than anything else? We speak about Gonzaga, how close they've been to winning a championship, and Mark Few finally getting over that last hurdle to truly put him within another step of the all-time greats when you're speaking about what he's done for that Gonzaga basketball program. You're speaking about Kansas. We're speaking about the last hurrah for Coach Krzyzewski at Duke University. What can they do? You're speaking about all of those storylines heading into this NCAA playoffs, some of the mid-majors, who's going to play Cinderella and all those type of things. All of these wonderful, wonderful storylines that we have that I should be speaking about ad nauseum. I should be going on and on and on about it. This year in college basketball, I don't have a clue. Unless you're talking about teams from the Big East, I don't have a clue. No idea. I haven't watched one minute of North Carolina basketball or Duke, or Kansas, or Arizona, or UCLA, or Baylor, or Michigan, or Purdue. Haven't watched a minute of it. And it's not because I hate the game of college basketball. I enjoy the game of college basketball. Not as much as the NFL. Not as much as the love of my life, the NBA. But because of my undying devotion till death do us part from my love of the Georgetown Hoyas. I really couldn't get into college basketball was extremely disappointing and depressing for me. If you don't know, let me tell you, Georgetown went six and twenty-four, lost twenty-one games in a row. And those twenty-one games that they lost, I would say that oh Man, I would say 13, 14 of them, they weren't even competitive. It got to the point where teams knew that as soon as they showed up, they were going to beat Georgetown. Georgetown was one of the worst teams in Division One basketball in terms of the Power Six conferences. I don't know, man. If you take a look at the major conferences like the SEC and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the Big 10 and the ACC, man, I'm not saying Georgetown would go 0 for the uh, conference, but... I don't know. Maybe maybe they beat Oregon State once. I don't know. Whatever it is, they wouldn't win more than three games. 
That was one of the least talented basketball teams in Division I basketball. If you put Georgetown in a low major D1 division, or even a mid-tier, mid-major division, mid-major, Georgetown's finishing near the bottom. If they put them in the mid-major, Georgetown is going to be near the bottom. I don't think they'll be in last, and I think that they'll win some basketball games in that conference, but pick your mid-major conference. Georgetown ain't winning it. And in the lower seats, I mean, maybe except for the SWAC and the MEAC, maybe they finish second or third. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Ha, ha, he, he. No, I'm serious, man. That's how bad it was. I, I mean, I know no one here listening to this podcast, and please indulge me as I, you know, lie on the couch and get this off my chest, but... uh I know no one has been watching Georgetown basketball and with good reason. I mean, you would have to be some type of masochist to uh, watch that garbage. But um, they were bad. They were bad. The lack of talent was astounding. Astounding. How could Patrick Ewing and the guys recruit such low talent? No talent for that basketball team. You had Aminu Muhammad, and then the rest of those guys looked like they didn't belong anywhere. None of those guys, the starting, outside of Muhammad, the starting four players, the other four players starting for Georgetown University, they wouldn't get any run for a team that was middle of the pack in the major D1 conference. Colin Holloway, Timothy, Timothy Egoefe, most schools would have even offered him a scholarship he was that bad. Colin Holloway, uh, you know, uh, Dante Harris, I mean, these guys These guys wouldn't be getting any run in teams that were making the NCAA tournament. We're out there playing them 35, 36, 30, 37 minutes a game. We're terrible. We were horrible. So because of that, it was like, man, I can't watch college basketball because when I do, if I try to watch a basketball game, I try to watch uh, an SEC basketball game or a Big 12 basketball game. I tried to watch a Texas Tech basketball game. If I tried to watch a Big 12 basketball game, if I tried to watch a, a Pac-12 basketball game, I would just get depressed because I would know that the two teams that are playing, regardless of what their record is, would blow Georgetown off the court. It was embarrassing. It was depressing. So trying to work my way through that right now, but... Uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons why tonight I'm not going to be sitting back talking about, hey, man, this, that, and the other. I can't believe that this school's going to be doing this. I don't have any knowledge. I haven't watched Paulo Banchero play more than five minutes this season. I'm sorry. I apologize. I should be ashamed. I should be embarrassed. But you watch Georgetown basketball. You put your love and devotion and passion into Georgetown basketball. Watch that team play and then say, I'm going to watch another college basketball team. You don't know how many times I had to, like, wash my eyes out and go watch an NBA basketball game with the quickness to get that stench of watching this horrid basketball being played by Georgetown. Moving forward, I don't know, and I know that uh, you guys are tired of hearing about this, so I'll leave it alone, but yeah, man. Georgetown stunk. They stunk out loud. It affected my knowledge in following of college basketball, but when the tournament starts... I guess I'll, I guess I will uh, go ahead and watch, and cry, and be depressed, and bemoan the fact that why can't Georgetown be here? When I'm watching these games, no one call, no one texts, no one come near me because all you're gonna do is you're gonna hear me do the pity party about why Georgetown stinks so much and why they can't be participating in this tournament, the NIT, the CBI, the NCAA, BBD, EFEG tournament, any other tournament that there is. Wendell's World in Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. Oh, man, in the NBA, had a chance to watch my Wizards play on, what was that? It was Friday night? Friday night against the um, LA Lakers. LeBron scoring 50-something points. You know, he scored 56 against the Warriors, and then he had 50 against the uh, Washington Wizards, and people are up there sitting there talking about, oh, man, LeBron this and LeBron that, and the begging and pleading of the Los Angeles Lakers to get better, and the consistent updates of Anthony Davis. How in the world? And I'm recording this right now as the Phoenix Suns, without Chris Paul, are putting some type of whooping on the Lakers right now in Phoenix. It amazes me how these guys are always sitting there talking about, well, when Anthony Davis comes back, well, when Anthony Davis comes back, then what? It's like, well, Anthony Davis comes back, 
The Lakers could be in the playoff uh, tournament or whatever, the one in your in or you're out. And with Anthony Davis back and LeBron James back and the way LeBron James is playing, and they could get Anthony Davis back, then Phoenix and Golden State, and Golden State has been struggling, even though they had a really good win on Saturday against Milwaukee. But it's this notion that, oh my goodness, what the Lakers get uh, Anthony Davis back, then the Phoenix Suns and the Memphis Grizzlies, and, the, and I spoke about this before on my podcast, but it's just, it, it's just laughable to think that a team that struggles like it's been struggling, that all of a sudden Anthony Davis is going to be the key. To fix the problem for the Lakers, there is not one player in the NBA that the Lakers can acquire right now that could put them on the team that would give the Phoenix Suns or the Memphis Grizzlies or the Utah Jazz, the way they're playing right now, or the Draymond Green, Golden State Warriors when they get back, the way that the Dallas Mavericks are playing right now, a really good victory, ugly victory, defensive-minded victory over the Boston Celtics earlier today, the Denver Nuggets, even though they've been slipping a little bit, the way Nikola Jokic has been playing. There is no player out there in the NBA right now for the Lakers to acquire that would make them true playoff contenders. I don't give a damn. You can put on Joe. You can bring in Joel Embiid. You can bring in James Harden. You can bring in Nikola Jokic. You can bring in Giannis. You can bring in Steph. You can bring in Ja. You can include any of those guys, one of those guys, into the roster. The Lakers still wouldn't be threats to do anything against the premier teams in the NBA. So what makes you think Anthony Davis is going to be that guy? And they keep coming back to, well, you know, last season in the playoff, the Lakers were ahead 2-1. to one, And some people have even stretched it far enough to say that if the Lakers would have beaten the Suns and if Anthony Davis would have been, you know, injury-free or if he would have gotten injured in that playoff series to get the Suns, that it would have been the Lakers who would have been coming out of the Western Conference to play in the NBA Finals. That's how delusional... Some people are, as far as being Laker fans are concerned, who put a microphone in front of their mouth and talk and make sick figures for a living. Speaking that nonsense, the Lakers are not going anywhere this season. They're not going anywhere. It was nice to see LeBron score 50 against the talentless Washington Wizards. It was nice to see him have a step-back game, a throwback game against the Golden State Warriors. LeBron can't do that every single doggone game. If you remember, after that game against the Warriors, LeBron, Le- uh, LeBron had to sit out a game because of, of knee sore- soreness. He can't do those type of things on a regular basis. And when you get into the playoffs after the first round and you start having games every other day, come on now. Let's, let's stop with the nonsense of the Lakers doing this and the Lakers trying to do that. I'm more impressed with the uh, Dallas Mavericks and what they're doing. That's a team, when you're speaking about, you know, we say in the East that the... Boston Celtics are a team that the top-tier teams should uh, be concerned about if they have to play them in the second round, along, of course, with the Brooklyn Nets. Kevin Durant putting up 53 today against the uh, New York Knicks with uh, with Kyrie Irving sitting in the sidelines. That was a hoot. But, um, you know, for the Eastern Conference, Boston and Brooklyn are those two teams that the Milwaukee's and the, and the uh, Miami's and the Philadelphia's don't want to play in the first round. Well, if you're... Golden State, if you're Utah or Memphis or Phoenix, the one team you don't want to play right now, the way that they're playing, is the Dallas Mavericks. Spencer Dinwiddie has fit in pretty nice to give them another shot maker while Tim Hardaway is out. And I think even when Tim Hardaway gets back, as far as shot making and creativity is concerned, Dinwiddie is a better fit on that team uh, than Hardaway Jr. Luka is playing out of his mind. Um, the defense is great. Jalen Brunson has been a nice complimentary player to uh, Luka. And um, look, I'm not saying that the Dallas Mavericks are threats to win the NBA championship, but man, if we see Luka in the last couple of uh, NBA playoffs and what he's done and how dynamic and devastating he's been as a one-man wrecking crew in the playoffs in his first two opportunities, the way Dallas is playing right now, defense-wise, chemistry-wise, cohesion-wise, as a team, again, if I'm one of the top tier in the Western Conference, we don't know what the situation with Chris 
Paul Thurman's going to be. We don't know the situation with Draymond Green. He says he's going to be back uh, Monday against the Washington Wizards, but how quickly is he going to get back into shape? So there's a lot of questions swirling around some of the uh, top-tier teams, the relationship between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. How far is that going to uh, keep up? So there's a lot of things that are going to be in play for some of the top-tier teams. The lack of experience from the Memphis Grizzlies as far as Playoff experience is concerned with how is that going to play for the Grizzlies moving forward in the playoffs. All of those things, man, make the opportunity for Dallas to uh, do some true devastating work in the playoffs the way that they're playing right now makes it possible. So, yeah, the Mavericks deserve our attention in terms of teams you need to look out for. The Lakers, N-O-T, not so there you go, man. The NBA, college basketball, Tom Brady coming back. Always something interesting. Always some stuff going on in the world of sports. Last segment of the program, last segment of the podcast, Wendell's World of Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. A lot of good stuff, a lot of good things going down in the world of sports today. All this, all this interesting things that are going down in terms of the return of Tom Brady. Spoke about that in the beginning of the podcast. Spoke about my lack of knowledge for college basketball only because my Georgetown Hoya stunk out loud, which meant that my enthusiasm to watch college basketball was at a nil, talked a little bit about what was happening in the NBA, so I'm caught up on those things, so for this last segment of the podcast, let me go ahead and get into some football news, let me get into some quarterback news, the return of Tom Brady uh, superseded everything from the past week in terms of the beautiful mystery, the wonderful mystery, the spring and summer uh, possible speculation and drama, it's over. Thank you very much, Aaron Rodgers, in terms of where he's going to be playing football next season. We don't have to be sitting there talking about, well, did you see the tweet from Aaron Rodgers? Did you see this picture taken by Aaron Rodgers? Did you see this quote from Aaron Rodgers? Did you read the body language of Aaron Rodgers? Did you see the moves that the Green Bay Packers did? They're bringing this guy. They're bringing that guy. Does this mean that Aaron Rodgers is going to be going back to the Packers? Does this mean that the relationship between Rodgers and the Packers can be can be saved because of this move and what does it mean and what is, what about Devontae Adams and all, all of this stuff that we were dreading in terms of the speculation and how far this was going to be brought out. It is all over. Aaron Rodgers is going back to the Green Bay Packers reported by NFL Network and NFL.com reporter, reporter Ian Rappaport. The Green Bay Packers and MVP quarterback Aaron Rodgers has agreed to terms on a four-year, $200 million deal that makes him the highest-paid player in football. And baby, let me tell you something right now. That man gets a guaranteed $153 million of that guarantee. Now, Rodgers went on social media and his social media accounts was speaking about, hold on, Chief, let me just slow down a little bit with you talking about how much money I'm getting in the, in the years and all that kind of stuff. Look, man, as a football fan, if you're a Green Bay Packer fan, who cares? Who cares how much money he's making? Who cares what it means toward the cap? Let, let, let the folks who are making six and seven figures figure that stuff out. As a fan, you should just be ecstatic about Aaron Rodgers coming back, the reigning and defending most valuable player, not once, but twice, coming back to see what he can do with the Green Bay Packers, to see what they can do to win a Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, when everything was all said and done, and look, we all knew the drama, we all knew the nonsense, we all knew the talking, we all knew the posturing with Aaron Rodgers after the season last year. We all knew about, you know, with the drafting of quarterback Jordan Love, the Packers moving up to get Jordan Love and not consulting with Rodgers, not letting Aaron know. And he looked around and he saw Tom Brady get whatever he wanted and win an MVP, or excuse me, and win a Super Bowl. So 
Aaron Rodgers was feeling a little bit hurt, and he came out, and he was talking about, hey, look, man, we're done here. I'm done with the Green Bay Packers. I want to be traded. I don't know if I'm going to be playing or not. And so it was a summer of drama with Aaron Rodgers. And, of course, we knew that when Aaron Rodgers has a grudge on somebody, just ask his parents and his brother. When Aaron Rodgers has a grudge on you, it's uh, pretty hard for him to let go of that. So this was going to be a situation where is he going to be the next Jeopardy uh, the next Jeopardy host and all of these type of things that were swirling around before the love of football and I guess something just kind of got to uh, Rodgers and said yeah I'll come back for this season now after the season after this 2021 season don't know what's going to be happening but I'll go back and play for the uh, Packers for the season I, th- I think what happened was a he might not like the he might not like the GM he might not like some of the upper crust folks but uh, something told me he really, really, really loves his teammates. Don't know what his thoughts and feelings are about the fans as much in terms of his teammates are concerned. But not only the love for the teammates, not only his love and camaraderie that he has with the teammates. I think bottom line is there's only thing there's only one thing left for Aaron Rodgers to do, and that's to win a Super Bowl. There's nothing left that he can do as far as individual-wise, as far as anything else in terms of winning divisions, winning conferences, winning MVPs, winning passing yardage, touchdowns, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. That, that, that That's all set in stone. And with Tom Brady coming back, it's, even if he was selfish enough, I want to get the passing yards record. I want to get the most touchdown thrown record. And all of those individual accolades. With Tom Brady coming back and you take a look at his body of work in terms of what he's done throughout his illustrious career, Aaron Rodgers had to know that, look, I'm not going to be hanging around long enough to be reaching some of the records that Tom Brady has has written in a record book. So when Aaron Rodgers decided that I'm going to be coming back and playing, it wasn't because he was going to be trying to chase individual records. This is all about a situation where, look, man, I'm all about winning championships. And when he looked around and he saw what was happening, and this was even before Russell Wilson was traded from the Seattle Seahawks, a team in the NFC, to the Denver Broncos, a team in the, team in the AFC, before all of that stuff went down, even he had to take a look and say, okay, let's, let's say, for instance, that I want to go ahead and I want to uh, change addresses. I want to go ahead and fulfill my thoughts and opinions that I had this past offseason about not wanting to play for the Green Bay Packers and keeping them on pins and needles. And maybe there was some underlying stuff that was going down in terms of, hey, when I got COVID, there was a lot of people that were coming out of the woodwork that were, you know, throwing these slings and arrows against me. And as a guy who never lets anything go in terms of that type of stuff, you know, I remember all that stuff and legendary withholding my grudges. So let's just say all of that played into Aaron Rodgers leaning toward, you know what? I don't want to come back and play for this team, especially with Devontae. I don't know what he's going to be doing. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to be happening. So let me go ahead and let me do my due diligence. Let me go ahead and take a look around and see what's happening. And he took it. The, he took a he took it the landscape and he said, OK, outside of the Green Bay Packers. Where can I go that will better my opportunity to win a Super Bowl right now if I'm not playing for the Green Bay Packers? What other team out there can I go to that I can enhance my chances? Especially if you're talking about moving from conferences. Because if that answer was, well, you know, maybe I can go to the Denver Broncos and all of that stuff that they had in terms of that would be a nice fit for me. Okay, so if I go to the Denver Broncos and I'm going to be playing in the AFC West, that means I'm going to be going up against Patrick Mahomes, not once but twice. I'm going to be going up against Justin Herbert, not once but twice. Possibly going up against David Carr, not once but twice. Now, David Carr is not on the same level as a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert, especially the way Herbert is speculated to grow and expand and capitalize on his talent over the next couple of years. But David Carr is still a top 12 quarterback. And on Sundays, on some Sundays, Thursday nights and Monday nights, he can be a top six, top seven quarterback. So you're talking about two, you're talking about in just, if he went to the Denver Broncos, you're talking about just in that division alone. You're going to be speaking about a guy who's already a franchise quarterback that's of legendary status in Mahomes and a guy who's going to be reaching MVP-type stature and also MVP leading a team to a Super Bowl-type talent in Justin Herbert. Then you're taking a look at the rest of the AFC. 
and you're taking a look at Lamar Jackson, and you're taking a look at um, you're taking a look at Joe Burrow, and you're taking a look at those kind of players, and you're taking a look at those type of teams, and you say to yourself, "Man, why do I want to try and climb that mountain?" When you take a look at the NFC, now again, this was before Tom Brady decided he was going to come back for his 23rd season. Did you take a look at the NFC? And you take a look at the quarterbacks in that division, and you take a look at the quarterbacks in that conference, and you take a look at the quarterbacks in that division, and you say to yourself again, I've got the best team around me by far. What's the easiest path for me to get to that Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl? It's not trying to go through Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. It's trying to go through Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott. I mean, and, and, and you know, what Matthew Stafford proved during the playoffs and in the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford is no joke. But if you're speaking about the biggest hurdle for you as far as dealing with the quarterbacks is concerned is Matthew Stafford. Well, compare him to a Joe Burrow, compare him to a Justin Herbert, compare him to a Lamar Jackson, compare him to a Patrick Mahomes, compare him to those type of of quarterbacks moving forward. Now, with uh, Russell Wilson in the AFC once again, you take a look at the landscape for Aaron Rodgers, it's like, yeah, buddy, I'm good to go with this. I'm really good to go with this. So again, I might not like Brian uh, Gutekus. I might not like some of the front office people. I might still feel a little stung by what they did in terms of not coming. If if the Minnesota Vikings can go to Kirk Cousins and ask for his opinion about the Vikings drafting Kellen Mond in the third round and what his thoughts and opinion about it are, you're going to try to tell me that the Green Bay Packers can't extend that same type of respect for a guy who's the best franchise quarterback, who's the best uh, player in their long storied history, you can't give me that respect. So that might not be a scar. You know, that might not be an injury that might not ever fully heal for Aaron Rodgers in concern with his relationship with the Packers organization. But if you're a fan, do you really care? The best part is he's playing for a teammate, his teammates. He loves his teammates. And that's about it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is not the type of guy whose play is going to uh, fluctuate up and down with his thoughts and feelings about the upper management or the general manager or anything like that. He's not going to let his team down. He's not going to let those guys down. So, you know what, if I'm a Green Bay Packer fan, man, do you think I really care about his thoughts and feelings in terms of his relationship with Brian Gutekist and others? Who cares, man? As long as you're doing what you're doing. If if you're upset, if you were upset with the uh, upper management after the last season, and this is the type of season that you had, shoot, fine with me. You can hate them. You can hate those guys all you want to. Moving forward, Wendell's World in Sports, the podcast. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So, moving forward now with the Green Bay Packers, they're going to get Devontae Adams back. A lot of players that were injured, Brian Barchiari, the left tackle, some other players are supposedly, allegedly, are going to be coming back to uh, fill out the squad, which was the most talented squad in the NFC outside of the Los Angeles Rams, just on player-to-player talent. You take a look at the Packers now. You take a look at Brett. Uh, you take a look at Aaron Rodgers now. And we always like talking about what's his legacy going to be? Where does this, what does this mean for Rodgers moving forward? And I just mentioned the fact that there's really nothing else for him to, uh, nothing for else, nothing else for him to do individually except win a Super Bowl to enhance his greatness and enhance his legacy in terms of being the greatest quarterback of all time. We, we speak about, we speak about that stuff, and yeah, it's water cooler stuff, and yeah, it's barbershop talk, and, but at the end of the day, 10, 15, 20 years from now, I mean, the discussion, it, it's, is winning only one Super Bowl going to rule the everyday of Aaron Rodgers' life? I think the man is, I think the man is balanced enough in his life not to have that haunt him to, uh, to the detriment of what he does on his everyday. You're sp- when you're speaking 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road, just like, not winning a championship for Dan Marino, not winning a championship for Reggie Will- uh, Miller, not winning a championship for John Stockton and Patrick Ewing and Carl Malone and Dan Fouts and such. Those guys' lives have been deeply affected because they haven't won a championship. Those guys still turned out to be pretty decent dads and husbands and made their ups and downs and made their mistakes and went on and lived life. And I don't think Charles Barkley is 
life is enhanced even more or less because he didn't win a championship. So long term, when we speak about legacies and what does it mean not to win a championship, sure, it might bother them a little bit, but not to the detriment of their everyday life as far as being a productive, positive member of our society. But if you're speaking about legendary status, if you're speaking about the all-time greats, and when we speak about the all-time greats, that's generational, that's what's your definition, what's your uh, meaning when we speak about the greatest quarterback of all time, what's your meaning, what's your definition, what's your understanding when you start naming the greatest quarterbacks of all time, when you break it down within generations, when you break it down into, as I mentioned before, is it the guy who won the most championships? Is it the guy with the most passing yardage? Is it the guy with the most MVPs? Is it the guy who did most with less? Is it the guy who, you know, when you're speaking about spanning the generations of football players and you go from Otto Graham to Johnny Unitas to Dan Marino to John Elway, to Jim Kelly, to Warren Moon, to Joe Montana, to Steve Young, to, uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw, all of those. I mean, I know I'm jumping from one generation back to the other, up forth to another generation, sideways generation. But what I'm saying is, you know, when you're speaking about championships, well, Tom Brady won seven championships. Okay, but there's some 90-year-old who's still living in a nursing home, who still has a couple of marbles upstairs, who can still kind of put two sentences together. And saying, you know what, Otto Graham led, if you're speaking about the greatest quarterback of all time is the guy who won the most championships, well shit, Otto Graham won, what, seven, eight championships in a row in a 10-year span? People talk about Johnny Unitas, yeah, Johnny Unitas is the greatest quarterback of all time because without Johnny Unitas, there wouldn't be a Joe Montana, there wouldn't be a Terry Bradshaw, there wouldn't be a Dan Fouts, there wouldn't be a Peyton Manning, there wouldn't be a Tom Brady, there wouldn't be a Patrick Mahomes. Then you go all the way back to say, well, Guess what? There wouldn't be a Randall Cunningham. There wouldn't be a scrambling type of quarterback that we see today if the evolution didn't start with a guy named Fran Tarkington, who for the longest of times was the guy who had the most touchdowns and the most passing yards in NFL history before that record was broken. So I've always thought that the greatest of all time and the who's the greatest quarterback of all time, first of all, none of us are really in the position to determine or to have a real strong conversation about who's the greatest quarterback of all time. I say get all the greatest quarterbacks who's ever played in a room together and let them figure it out. You know, Johnny Unitas and those and, those, and that generation is no longer with us, but if you want to find out who's better or... You know, is it Dan Marino? Is it John Elway? Is it Jim Kelly? Is it Joe Montana? Is it Steve Young? Is it uh, Warren Moon? Is it Tom Brady? Is it Peyton Manning? You know what you do? You get those guys in a room together, give them truth truth serum, and then let them uh, go ahead and have that debate. And what they decide is what I'm going to be going with. But, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers definitely belongs in that class. And to enhance his argument in terms of the greatest quarterback and where he belongs and all that type of stuff we always mention the well he's only won one Super Bowl Dan Fouts and Warren Moon are sitting up there going man he only won one Super Bowl (laughs) damn you know wow that guy sucks how terrible is this guy blah 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 but you know when you're speaking about that when you're taking a look at that I mean and you're having those discussions hey look man the Packers have won 13 games in each of the past three seasons and they've been to two of the past three conference championship games. No other team in NFL history has won that many games over a three-year stretch and has, and has not won at least one Super Bowl. Rodgers is 11-10 and 10 in the playoffs, 1-4 in conference championship games, and 7-9 and nine since winning the Super Bowl back in the 2010 season. Jim Plunkett and Eli Manning have more Super Bowl championships than Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers have the same amount of championships as Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson. So, hey, 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 hey. Oh, and Dick Foles, did I forget him too? So, look, all of that stuff, if you want to throw it into the pot, if you want to throw it into the stew in terms of, you know, who's deciding, who's the best, and who's the greatest, and all those type of things, fine. You go ahead and you're, you do your thing. But um, for the next couple of seasons, it's going to be uh, make or break in terms of that legacy for Aaron Rodgers because he's not if he if they're going to win a championship it's not going to be because Aaron Rodgers went along for the ride this is not going to be a situation Aaron Rodgers is still playing at a level and he still has the importance and the responsibility for the Green Bay Packers winning Super Bowls and playoff games and having success 
he still has the majority of that responsibility on his shoulders. This is not going to be a situation where Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl near the end of his career, his last season of his career, because he let Vaughn Miller and that defense take him to a championship. This is not going to be that type of situation. That's not going to be that type of uh, scenario. If the Green Bay Packers are going to win a championship, it's going to be because of the outstanding high-level play of Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers doesn't have the luxury of uh, doing what John Elway did, even though he was efficient. He still had Terrell Davis. He still had a pretty good defense when the Broncos won their second championship and gave Elway his second championship. He doesn't have the same opportunity of having others carry him to a championship like Peyton Manning did in his last season with the Denver Broncos, his last uh, season in the NFL. So this is going to be a make or break couple of years for Aaron Rodgers moving forward with the Green Bay Packers. And as I mentioned before, he took a look around, he took a look at the landscape and he said, hmm, North Division, I got to go up against maybe Kurt Cousins. I got to go up against Justin Fields. I got to go up against Jared Goff. Okay, I can deal with that. If I was begging and pleading to go to what Denver, instead I would have to be going up against Herbert, Mahomes, and David Carr. Yeah, I think I'll be staying in the NFC North. You take a look at, again, that conference. Again, Matthew Stafford. Yes, Matthew Stafford is a stud. Dak Prescott looking to rebound off of a season that teetered out near the end of the season. He's still a threat. But, man, you take a look at some of these other guys. The New Orleans Saints don't know what's going to be happening with their quarterback situation until Tom Brady came back and decided he was going to come back for a 23rd season when Rodgers made that decision to play with the Packers. Tampa Bay had questions at the quarterback position. Matt Ryan is going to be, what, 36, 37 years old. We don't know what's going to be happening with him. Jalen Hurts is not ready for the Philadelphia Eagles to be that type of quarterback that could get them in a position to be true contenders for a championship. So, again, Aaron Rodgers looked at that landscape and said, yeah, think that uh, I might be uh, doing some things outside of Prescott, Stafford, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan. Yeah, this would be much easier. This would be a much easier path for me to venture to. Wendell's World of Sports, I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. So glad that you could be with us. So we spoke about Aaron Rodgers going to the uh, resigning with the Green Bay Packers. But the big news, of course, is Russell Wilson taking his talent from Seattle going down to Denver with the Denver Broncos. The Broncos have been searching. The Broncos have been begging. The Broncos have been pleading for somebody to take over the reins of the quarterback position for them since Peyton Manning was their last franchise quarterback. They have the defense to get it done. They have the wide receivers to get it done. Again, playing in that conference. Basically, is Russell Wilson going to be at the level? Is Russell Wilson still going to be at the level to be able to have him compete with the Patrick Mahomes of the world and then moving from the NFC to the AFC? Now, we're going to be taking a look and see, in fact, if Russ can cook or was it the situation with the Seattle Seahawks and their coaching staff let Russ cook for too long, they would burn the food. Moving on, we should see about that. I, I want to end, though, and I'll have plenty of time to talk about Wilson and the uh, trade that was made for him going to the uh, Denver Broncos, but my Washington commanders made the move to get Carson Wentz to be their quarterback. Yikes. Don't know why that happened. Um, lateral move for my Washington football team doesn't make them any better. Now, I guess you could say it from a quarterback position. It makes them better than uh, Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Heineke. But all right, what, what exactly does that mean? And everybody talks about, well, you know, he makes a whole bunch of money or makes a lot of less money. And look, you know, $28 million one season. I really don't care about that type of thing. It's just a matter of Carson Wentz has now proven that he's not a championship quarterback. He's not a franchise quarterback. I mean, this is a situation where, okay, the commanders might have gotten a little bit better in terms of their acquisition of Carson Wentz, but this is the third team for Carson in three years in which um, two of the teams that gave up on him were supposed to be teams that were either going to continue with him being one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL, and another team gave up him on him after one year, and this was supposed to be the team and the franchise and the coach that was supposed to save his career in terms of him being a franchise quarterback, at least in terms of him being a starting quarterback. So to have Frank Reich 
and the Indianapolis Colts give up on Carson Wentz so quickly, and the fact that if he wasn't traded, that their Colts were just going to outright release this guy, with the Colts not having any plan B in terms of what they're going to do from the quarterback position on a team that had a strong offensive line and the best running back of the game, not named Derrick Henry, and a pretty good defense. What did that say about Carson Wentz moving forward? And what did that say about my commander's chances of getting any better to compete with the Dallas Cowboys and compete with other teams to uh, be viable components once the playoff season starts? Doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean much of anything. So, again, just a uh, situation where it's like, eh, you know, they made a move. Okay, that's fine. That's wonderful. whoop de damn do but uh, really doesn't mean anything. So when you now take a look at the quarterbacks that are available now, I mean, Deshaun Watson, I think he's been cleared of all criminal charges, right? So now the path for him to go somewhere else might be a little bit more open for teams to uh, go ahead and assess exactly what's going to be happening if they want Deshaun Watson on their team. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Mitchell Trubisky, Marcus Mariota, they're so, they're, they're, those are some of the other names <clears throat> that could possibly be on the move. Um, I'm thinking about Deshaun Watson, man. Because, let me tell you something, if you're a team, say you're, you're a team like the Washington Commanders, right? I mean, they have them pretty good pieces. You know, they have a defense that was supposed to be pretty good even though they regressed last uh, season. They have uh, some, some some decent weapons at the wide receiver position. Their offensive line is all right. I, I, I've said this before, and I'll say this again, man. Give me Deshaun Watson. Give me Deshaun Watson. Now, I, I know the situation where Houston's going to be asking a lot for him, but um, even before all these things were cleared, and look, I, I know that uh, it was a hard route to follow, and there was a hard route for teams to get to that point to where it would be a viable option for them to acquire a Deshaun Watson with so many things, so many of the uh, details of what happened to him off the field being so murky. But the um, situation now is, man, look, this is the NFL that we're talking about, okay? For those who want to sit there and talk about how horrible and this is terrible and this would be a bad look and you can't have this guy on your team after what he's been accused of and what he's been alleged of and this would be a bad look and sponsors wouldn't uh, agree to it and the fan base would turn and all those type of things. Bull schnickens. Let me tell you something, man. The only thing that turns off uh, NFL franchises, the only thing that turns away fan bases is losing. That's the only doggone thing. You get Deshaun Watson on a team like Philadelphia, you get Deshaun Watson on a team that could be going places or might be only a quarterback away from doing some things, hell yeah, and and he starts performing like he did at the level that he was his last season in Houston with the Texans, man, hell yeah, people are going to forget about what he did. Hell yeah, people are going to forgive what he did. Man, how many players do we have in the NFL right now who have been accused of things that Deshaun Watson has done and around the same plane in terms of what he did was even worse and fans are cheering and fans are putting their posters on the board and, and on their room and, and on their walls and, and, and fans who are wearing their jersey and buying their merchandise. You kidding me, man? If Deshaun Watson, and, and I'm, one of the, I'm one of them, I'm one of them. I don't give a damn what he did. And yeah, man, I'm all down with the Me Too movement. And if what he did to those women is despicable, if it's true for what he did, and there's no reason to uh, doubt different women in terms of their allegations, in terms of what happened when they met up in that situation with Deshaun Watson. Man, this ain't the 1980s. This ain't the 1990s. This ain't the early part of 2000. Me Too movement had gained me knowledge. The Me Too movement on certain situations have opened my eyes to say, you know what? Just because Deshaun Watson from the outside looking in looks like a nice young lad, that doesn't mean that I'm just going to blindly just believe everything he said or just uh, cannot fathom the fact that uh, he didn't do this because of the because of what uh, Deshaun Watson in his persona has wanted me to see of him. I don't know that man. I haven't been that man. I haven't been around that man when the camera was off. I haven't been around that man in his in his private time. I don't know the real Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson only wants me to uh, know about him, what he's showing me. That's the good, not the bad, and not the ugly. Saying all that, even if he did all those things, as reprehensible as they may be, I would still love to have Deshaun Watson on my football team, man. 
would still love to have, after every, again, after everything he's been through, after everything that he's been accused of, I would love to have Deshaun Watson on my team because being a Washington Commandos fan, Commanders fan, man, it, it might be a situation where Deshaun Watson might be the only thing that can save us from another 10, 15, 20 years of ineptitude and dysfunction and irrelevance when it comes to being a when it comes to being an NFL franchise, especially with Daniel Snyder being their owner, if you could somehow, who would I rather have on my team? Who would I rather have in terms of being the face on my team? Who would I rather have, Daniel Snyder being the owner or Deshaun Watson being quarterback? Outside of Osama Bin Laden, who's no longer with us, and a couple of other horrible people throughout the history of time, there's not too many people who I would not have as my owner over Daniel Snyder right now, because as a guy who grew up, being a Washington Redskins fan, no longer that nickname being used, thank you very much. But as a guy who grew up with Joe Gibbs and Doug Williams and Joe Thiesman and the Hogs and John Riggins and the Fun Bunch and Dexter Manley and Daryl Green and Daryl Grant and Joe Gibbs and all those type of guys who grew up in that era where we were one of the franchises of the 80s to see where we've been now since then. Since Dan Snyder took over the team, man, you're speaking about sports in Washington, the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area has been garbage. It has been garbage for decades. If you think about the collapse of the Washington football team, when you think about how irrelevant now Georgetown basketball has been, when you think about the Capitals, yeah, they won a Stanley Cup, the Washington Nationals, yeah, they won the World Series, but the Nationals, number one, winning the World Series was nice, but it didn't have the, they don't have the, they don't have that foundation. They don't have that legacy. They don't have those years in service being with the, being in the community for us to uh, have the reverence that we have of someone like the Washington Bullets, now Wizards, someone like the uh, Washington Commanders, someone like the Maryland Terrapins with Lefty Drizel, someone like Georgetown with John Thompson, the Washington Capitals because it's hockey and the Washington Nationals because the baseball team was so uh, young in terms of representing the Washington DC area that doesn't have the same type of thing in terms of our love and passion for sports being in the Washington DC growing up in the Washington DC metropolitan area. So yeah, desperate times calls for desperate measures. The things that Deshaun Watson did if it's true, horrible, terrible. And there'd be no reason why all those women are, are lying. But man, I need to get a I need to get a super I need to get a real team for the for the NFL, man. I need to get the I need my Washington football team back. And we're not gonna get rid of Daniel Snyder. Hey man, you know what? We've gotta do everything humanly possible. So So that's the deal with that. Alright, I'm out of here. Whew. Time for me to go ahead and uh I took my uh, third booster shot, and man, that knocked me out. No more booster shots for me, man. No more. If I get COVID, I get COVID. But man, that third, that booster shot I had for COVID yesterday, that knocked me out and then some. So let me go back and get some more sleep because I'm still fatigued. Wendell's World in Sports. I'm your host, Wendell Wallace. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, man, be good to each other, shall we, please? Let's see what we can do to make this world, to make your space, to make your place, to make your neighborhood to make your place of employment a better place to be through love peace unity understanding of everyone having that difficult conversation with those of a different race a different gender a different background different financial background different side of the track let's see what we can do to uh take the lessons that were learned from those who we're not really accustomed to being with and hanging around and understanding and respecting and passing those words of wisdom those jewels to the younger generation so they can live in a society where, unlike ours, is not being filled with hate and racism and ignorance and narrow-minded and privileged. Maybe we can go ahead and leave a world for our children and their children and their children where people truly are judged by who they are as human beings, the content of their character, not the color of their skin, not by their gender or anything like that. If we could, that would be fantastic. So please, listen, learn, shut up listen and learn, and bring those valuable lessons to the younger generation. All right? Wendell's World of Sports. My name is Wendell Wallace. Peace. Let me hear some music. <laughs>